Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borset. Hello and welcome to another Offside Rule podcast. This is episode 21 and a slight change in personnel this week. Kate Borsay joins me once more. Hello, Kate. Hello, hello. Uh, but Hayley McQueen is off on her holly bobs, which means we have a great opportunity for Natalie Sawyer to step into the fold. Hello, everyone. Uh, lovely to have you here. And I wanted to say and start first and foremost by saying that you give a whole new meaning to the back end of a bus. <laughs> Doesn't she? I mean, it's no longer a derogatory term, but in Brentford, you're a Bees fan. Enlighten us. What happened? I've seen you a few times on my travels. Yeah, uh, I am on the back of a number 65 bus. Uh, I think about five of them, I was told. I basically did a thing for Brentford where they wanted me to do publicity and I didn't realise it was then going to lead to it being on the back of a bus. But I am on a back of a bus and I... The other day was the first time I saw it and I, I cringed and I didn't know what to do. It was, it was quite embarrassing, but yes, that's it. Have you been told whether you've caused any crashes yet? <laughs> no, thankfully I haven't. It's not that uh, draw, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a massive deal, thankfully, so I'm quite pleased I haven't caused any accidents. I haven't seen one of these buses, so I need to take myself over to Brentford, don't I? <laughs> it, it does the rounds, not just in Brentford. I think I've seen it through Kew and other places. Oh, to Kingston, yeah. From <laughs> Ealing to Kingston. It's, it's massive. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for stepping in. And you've already revealed your allegiances. It's Brentford. And that has inspired one of our topics this week. So I'll quickly run through for everybody listening what they've got on the way. Uh, We will be talking about Leagues 1 and 2, promotion and relegation. Over the last few weeks on the podcast, Natalie, we've talked Premier League and we've forecast who we think will go up and who will go down. We did it for the Championship. And your arrival means we're now focusing on lower league. Uh, Also, we're going to be talking later on. um, Our third and final topic is always something more jovial. Uh, We're going for... 
I got sent off for what? Uh, bizarre red cards. So put your thinking caps on. And if at home you're listening and you've got anything to add, of course, you can tweet us as well. Uh, we're on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. You can also give us a like on Facebook, the Offside Rule Podcast. We'll have a Twitter topic of the week, a non-league roundup from Faye Carruthers, our regular. And this week we go abroad every week, Natalie, and it's the Russian Premier League roundup. But we'll start with topic one and we're talking and inspired from the weekend, Last Chance Saloon. Um, Kate Borsay came up with this one. So Martin O'Neill's dismissal following Sunderland's 1-0 defeat to Manchester United last week. Just seven games to go in the season. It seemed bizarre appointment. Paolo Di Canio quickly appointed to turn around the Black Cats' fortunes. But when have we ever seen a last quarter of the season, Kate Borsay, I have to say this because she's going to pick me up on something in a minute. Last quarter of the season sacking that's ever been effective. Has it ever saved a club season getting rid of their manager with less than 10 games to go? Although we will maybe expand that slightly. I think it's worthwhile saying that you immediately look at this topic and think, well, no, it isn't. Because you think of the likes of Mick McCarthy who went, and of course that did nothing for us. So immediately I thought, I'm not going to find anyone. But there are some good cases. And maybe we should start with our guest this week. So Natalie, what have you got for us to start off? Well, perhaps I'm biased to focus on Brentford, but back in March 2004, Martin Martin Allen even took over from uh, Wally Downs. Eight or nine games to go in the season. We were second from bottom. It didn't look great. But then we went on this fantastic run and um, we stayed up on the last day of the season. We had to beat Bournemouth and in front of about 9,500 people we did it and it was amazing and it was an inspired um, change of manager in the end. Any more, Natalie? <laughs> well, I was going to say about one that didn't work and, of course, we all know about Alan Shearer, the Messiah. Yes. I mean, what... What a big decision for him to have gone to Newcastle, knowing the godlike status he had anyway. And it just didn't work, did it, unfortunately, for him and for Newcastle. So sometimes it works. I'm going to take you back. Now, this is me offering a ray of hope to all Sunderland fans. Uh, I guess, and all Southampton fans, and all Reading fans particularly, Southampton seemed to be doing pretty well under Pochettino. So in 1998, Brian Little resigned after just over three years as Aston Villa manager. This was on the 24th of February 1998. The club were in the bottom half of the Premiership. Uh, they bought in John Gregory, who turned results around. John Gregory! Blast from the past, yes. Uh, They finished the season high enough for a UEFA Cup place. There you go. So John Gregory turning things around there at Aston Villa. Um, Under Walter Smith, Everton finished in the bottom half of the table for three consecutive seasons. The Everton board ran out of patience with him. He was sacked on the 13th of March 2002 after a disastrous FA Cup six-round defeat to Middlesbrough. He was replaced by David Moyes, who delivered Everton to a safe finish in 15th place. So all was not lost for Everton with the arrival of Davy Moyes. Who can forget Chelsea last season, of course. Now, they weren't in trouble of being relegated, but they did decide to get rid of Andre Villas-Boas on the 4th of March. Again, with less than 10 games to go, or around 10 games to go. Um, hang on. Chelsea got rid of a manager. Breaking news. Um, yeah, so they decided to get rid of Andre Villas-Boas, of course, on the 4th of March. Brought in uh, Robbie Di Matteo, who, um, who did turn the club around, or certainly turned spirits at the club around, and got the team playing as a team, as he does so well. And they won the FA Cup and the Champions League. So that was a pretty good turnaround and some hope for Sunderland fans. Finally, I'm going to give you Leeds. The club was spiralling towards relegation in 2003. They uh, finally ran out of patience with Terry Venables, who is in charge of the club. He was sacked on the 21st of March, 2003. 
2003. Uh, Peter Reid stepped in. Good old Peter Reid. Uh, and they escaped relegation after a fantastic 3-2 away win to reigning Premier League champions Arsenal. Some quite spectacular form there and Leeds were safe thanks to Peter Reid coming in uh, as um, a late substitute for them. <laughs> um, I decided to give a wide berth to any serial sackers. So no Chelsea, no QPR. <laughs> we're not going to go that down that route. Uh, probably let's start with my first obvious one. I hate to talk about them. They always end up coming up in my topics. West Brom. Brian Robson. Uh, became the first ever manager to save a bottom club at Christmas in the Premier League. So it was a history in the making one, so I had to mention that. Um, Wolves were the ones with 13 games to go, so I've already really touched on that. And of course, it was Mick McCarthy that was let go. Terry Connor appointed assistant manager, took over the realm, and they couldn't find anyone else to take the job. I thought Walter Smith was going to come in, but he never did. Um, 13 games to save the season. Wolves, of course, finished bottom, picked up six points under Connor and got relegated and we won't talk about this season. Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. On to the second topic, then we'll move on. League One and Two promotion, relegation fights as well. Kate Borsay, who's very, very prepared, has printed out tables. Can you put them so we can all see them, Kate, so we can look? Uh, We'll start... I'm not going to share my research with you. (laughs) You're not going to share your printings. Um, So we'll start with the League One table and the dizzy heights of Doncaster. So we have two automatic promotion positions in League One and we've got four sides at the moment, including Natalie uh, Sawyer's Brentford. (gasps) Right in there, in third. That's the worst place to be in, Nats. My goodness, isn't it just? Um, it is so scary. And if I can use a Sir Alex Ferguson phrase, it is squeaky bum time. Um, it's just, I'm just an, a nervous wreck. Every game now, I just cannot stand it. I'm biting my nails. I can't watch. And even just talking about it right now, I'm getting a sweat on. Do you think Brentford can handle it? Do you think that, that they've got the nerve to see this through? Do you know what? I do. I think there's such a good core there. They're a great unit, a great spirit. The players all get on brilliantly. So I do think they can do it. The problem is we're playing catch-up. We're a a few games behind Bournemouth, one in hand over Doncaster. But you always want points on the board as opposed to games in hand, I think. So it's um, we've got to cram quite a lot in to a short space of time. But I think we can still do it. I'm going to give you a little ray of hope as well because I'm going to give you my forecast now and uh, put my two penneth worth in. So starting with Bournemouth, who are currently in an automatic promotion spot. I don't see Doncaster changing too much. I think they will go up automatically. Bournemouth, I think, are going to slip out of the automatic places um, and go into the playoffs, which will leave a door ajar. And I haven't gone completely for Brentford here, Natalie. Brentford, I'm also going Sheffield United because I thought the amount of games in hand they've got Um, and I think one of you two currently in third or fourth will go up with Doncaster and to the promotion battle for the playoffs I'm going with Yeovil Um, I think Paddy Madden he's going to get more goals for them and I think Yeovil will go up through the playoffs so that's my promotion little forecast I'm going to go Donny as well of course um, everyone thought that that, that they might struggle without Dean Saunders but they've done uh, really really well and I think that they'll make an immediate return to the championship remember that they got relocated last last season they are a championship team and I think they're going to go straight back up Uh, now the next teams well Bournemouth they have gone on a uh, five-match winning streak. That was after um, at least five games prior to that on a losing streak. So they are 
totally salt and pepper, aren't they? They're, they? They go completely one way and then the other. I do agree that they might slip, but they've got really good momentum behind them. Brentford and Sheffield United. Brentford have got a game in hand over league leaders Doncaster. I do like the atmosphere there. Uh, strong team, as you say. But I also like Sheffield United. Um, they only need to win two games to go top of that league, you know, because they're on 39 games played. So they've got uh, a few games in hand there. Danny Wilson in charge of the team there. So I, I'm finding it really tough to choose from Doncaster, Bournemouth, Brentford, Sheffield United, which I know is predictable because that's the first four in the table. But I think it'll be too much for Swindon to go on and do anything. I have to say that this league is just fascinating. It's, I, I've loved this whole season and it's been topsy-turvy. I, I kind of do agree with you on Doncaster. I think they have enough points on the board that they'll pick up enough to, to keep them going. And whether they actually win the title, I'm not sure, but I do think they will go up. The thing that for Brentford is... We have to play Doncaster on the final day of the season. That could be a humdinger of a game. We still have to play Sheffield United at at their place. Um, So, again, that's a massive game. I do think Bournemouth have a fairly easy run-in, which is gutting uh, as a Brentford fan. But, um, you know, you've already picked up on it, Kate. They've got great momentum, Bournemouth. But I do think there's always a defeat in a side. And, um, you know, complacency could well set in. Uh, Brentford have some tough fixtures, as I was saying, coming up. We've also got to play Portsmouth, who aren't yet safe. Uh, We've also got to play Hartlepool as well. So we've got a really difficult run of fixtures to come. Uh, But, as I was saying, I'm confident. And I think we can do it. I don't want to get into the playoffs because we we are awful at the playoffs. Um, and I do know what you mean about Yeovil. Yeovil just have something about them. Mm. They um, they know how to get a win and uh, they've caused a few upsets so far. I certainly think Tranmere have dropped out and I, I don't see Tranmere really getting into it anymore. We'll turn our attention to the bottom of the table. I think we can whiz through this. I don't think there's going to be much disagreement. So I can see that Kate Borsay has already got three big R's next to the bottom three. <laughs> they are doomed. <laughs> doomed, you say. Uh, so Portsmouth, Berry, and Hartlepool were saying going down. So I, I suppose it leaves the, the last place. What do we think. For me, I think Scunthorpe and Oldham will pull away. I don't see either of those sides going down. And for me, Colchester are the side that I think will get dragged into it. I think I agree with you for once, actually, Lindsay wow, Hooper. Really? No. Uh, no. Scunny, I think they might just escape it. Um, Oldham have got two games in hand, uh, and in fact, three games in hand over some of their uh, fellow uh, relegation fodder. So I think they are going to be rescued. You know, uh, Portsmouth very hardly, Paul, completely agree with that. Portsmouth are in a no-win situation. If they, they must come out of administration before the end of the season if they do then they'll be deducted 10 points if they don't then they'll be expelled from the football league so whatever the case unfortunately um, it'll be bye bye Portsmouth from League One interesting fact for you all the teams that were promoted from League Two last season Swindon, Shrewsbury, Crawley and Crewe all look very safe indeed so well done for them for not doing the typical up down and it shows the crossover between those leagues Mm. is not much and you'll know that Natalie with Brentford and all their charges over the last few seasons that is so true. Um, yes, we have been there and thereabouts for a long time, and we've been we've been in a, a bit of a yo-yo club at, at times. But um, yes, let's let's get with the facts. Hartlepool, I think, are down. They, they're in awful form at the moment. Haven't won in about eight games or so. Uh, Bury have probably the worst run-in of all of the teams. They've got to play Hartlepool. Uh, they could play Oldham, Scunthorpe, Walsall, Yeovil. Teams that really all still have something to play for, uh, and, and could well still have something to play for by the end of the season. 
Portsmouth, well, we've already touched on, you know, whatever happens, they are probably doomed uh, because of their administration issues. I have to disagree with you on Colchester. The only reason why is because their running is easy. They are playing teams probably that won't have anything to play for. Is there any such thing? Yes. <laughs> yes, they're playing Leighton Orient, Notts County, MK Dons, Shrewsbury and Carlisle. And I can't see any of those teams having anything to play for anymore, really. I mean, I, you know, the MK Dons may sneak a playoff place, but I doubt it, as Leighton Orient as well, but I doubt that as well. So I, um, I think as it looks... With Hartlepool, Berry, Portsmouth, and Scunthorpe, that is how it's going to stay. I think Oldham do have a lot of games uh, to play, they've got, and and they've got the momentum now with Lee Johnson. He's doing pretty well there, um, and I think that's going to carry them through. So I think it's going to stay as as it is. So let's talk about League Two. Exactly the same promotion. We'll start with automatic places. Um, I've got Gillingham, Port Vale, Cheltenham for me. So Northampton at the moment are in third. That's the only change I've made. I've substituted Northampton for Cheltenham. And in the playoffs, I have put Bradford forward as a team that I think are going to do well. Since they're out of the cup competition, which of course is a big distraction, I think they can now concentrate with their games in hand on getting promoted. So I'm going with Bradford through the playoffs, Cheltenham to go up automatic with Port Vale and Gillingham. Um, I agree with you on a few of those. Gillingham, uh, Gillingham up. Martin Allen's done a fantastic job there and that looks very convincing for them there. Eight points clear now of Port Vale. Port Vale, I also really, really like. Tom Pope coming back into form after his dry spell. League two player of the season. Absolutely. Good old Popey. Uh, and Paul uh, Wilds completed his takeover of Port Vale back in November 2012. So they're financially secure. There's a good atmosphere around the club. So um, I very much fancy them to go up now. Where next? Well, Northampton under A.D. Boothroyd do have experience, of course, of being in League One. They are a bit of a yo-yo club. Um, it's, it's, this is a really, really tough one for me. I just don't fancy Cheltenham. I can't really explain it. Perhaps Nat will be able to give me some of the fixture running. I don't fancy Cheltenham. Um, too much for Exeter, I think, as well. It could well stay as is. Gillingham, Port Vale, Northampton. I think you're absolutely right about Gillingham. They only need four more points and they're up. So they're going to get those four points from their remaining four fixtures. So that's done and dusted for them. Absolutely right about Tom Pope. He's on form. You need a striker who's banging in goals and that's exactly what's happening for Port Vale. Oh, my goodness. It is hard, you know, third and fourth. I I don't know. Um, Cheltenham's running, as you're asking. Plymouth, Gillingham, Exeter and Bradford, teams that all have something still in it, Mm. with Plymouth struggling at the bottom of the table. Um, But if you're going to do it, you've got to take points off the teams around you, and Cheltenham could well do that. So they could well pip Northampton um, to that uh, third spot. I wouldn't be surprised to see Exeter win the playoffs because Paul Tisdale has done really well at Exeter. He's been there for so long. He's got experience. He's taken them up before. They were only relegated recently. Wouldn't be surprised to see them win the playoffs. Um, But just like League One, League Two is ridiculously tight and anything could happen. So uh, it's just an exciting end to the season. This is the one that I wanted to discuss. And this is going to be so tough because (laughs) relegation in League Two is a real dogfight. We have got eight sides potentially that could be going down. As it stands, I'm going to stick with York. I think York will go down. And with them, I'm taking Accrington down to the non-league. 
That's interesting because James Beat is obviously yes, at Accrington. I don't think it matters. He might have got that draw, but it's not enough for him on his own to do anything for this side. And pass this over to Natalie because I think she agrees with me, although I think she's changing her mind. What's going on? Are you not with me anymore? You look so in agreement. I really was. I was so adamant. Yes, you're right. But then I looked at the fixtures and I thought, no, you're wrong. Accrington only have to play York, really. And, and then they're playing Morecambe, Bristol Rovers and Oxford. You'd imagine they could get out of it because of the, the easier fixtures. Um, Aldershot, I think, are in all sorts of trouble, I'm afraid. They're not, they haven't won uh, in their last seven away and three of their remaining fixtures are away. So I think that's going to be difficult for them. Obviously, they've got a new manager in charge, Andy Scott. Difficult task for him to try and keep them in the Football League, but I just think it might be too much for him. York, I agree. They've played 42 games, so four left for them. Yeah, York are doomed as far as I'm concerned. I don't agree with you on Accrington. I just... I just think they might do it. Uh, and obviously Natalie has backed me up with those brilliant, <laughs> that I'm brilliant information uh, on the uh, fixture list there. I am worried about Plymouth. Um, they've been in this position before. I don't know whether there is the focus at the club to rescue them. They could well do it, but I'm worried for Plymouth. York are gone for me. Plymouth, I mean, what a big club. And if they go down to the conference, that will be a, a shame for Plymouth and the fact that they are such a, such a big club. I wouldn't be surprised to see AFC Wimbledon dragged into it, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, only because they've still got to play Exeter, Gillingham and Fleetwood and you never know. They, they, those three teams may have something riding on it, although Gillingham, you'd expect, will have gone up by them. Um, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't also be surprised to see it as it is, Aldershot and uh, York going down. Um, one thing to point out, Plymouth, if you're dragging them into it, who could potentially be going down, and Nat, you mentioned about Exeter going up. For the South Coast, what what a mix for them, because they've had three sides in League Two with Torquay as well this year, but none of us mentioned Torquay, although they're right in the thick of the relegation battle. Uh, worth pointing out there that uh, Mystic Meg um, channeling is even more tricky with that with that task that I just gave you with relegation in League Two, because there is just four points separating from 17th down to 24th in the table. The bottom eight, uh, four points between them, and there's only 11 points uh, between the team at the bottom of the table and the middle of the table. It's so tight, isn't it? In- Do you know what I have to say? This time in League Two um, is a fantastic time for the neutrals. So if you're thinking of adopting a team, adopt a League Two team because it's so exciting in this table. I'm going to adopt Torquay. (laughs) Just adding that in there. Done. I like it. Seaside Resort. I'm going to adopt Accrington. Oh, dear. Trust her to pick the one that I've just yeah, been... exactly. OK. Uh, we're going to move on. Uh, first of all, a non-league roundup. We're going down the tables now and Faker Others is going to update us on all things non-league. Thanks very much, ladies. It was a very busy Easter weekend in the Blue Square Bet Premier. Kidderminster still top as I record this. They beat Luton 2-1. Mansfield close behind, though, after a 4-0 win over Gateshead. So just a point separating them now. Mansfield, though, have three games in hand. Wrexham losing ground after a goalless draw with... With Macclesfield, they're now 11 points off the leaders. Newport still in the hunt, though, after a 2-1 win over Nuneaton. And Grimsby kept their playoff chances alive, beating struggling Stockport 2-1. Barrow still in the relegation places after a one-all draw with Hyde. Braintree beat Ebsfleet, who is still second from bottom. But Alfreton gave their survival chances a boost. They beat Southport 2-0. Elsewhere, Dartford beat Woking 4-1. Hereford beat Tamworth 5-2. And Forest Green against AFC Telford and Lincoln's game with Cambridge were both goalers. 
Douglas draws. Now, off the field, it's uh, been announced this week that Blue Square Bet have been bought out by Betfair. So Blue Square still sponsoring the football conference until the end of the season, but Betfair are then going to review what they're going to do after that. So as it stands, no sponsor for the football conference next season. I will be back next week with more from the world of non-league football. The female take on football. Thank you very much, Faye. Uh, Well, our third and final topic for this week's podcast is I got sent off for what? Um, West Brom's Malumbu, stupidly. Did you see this red card? How silly. A three-match ban that he got as well. Um, He was fouled, so he was the victim, and then he decided to kick the ball (laughs) against the back of O'Neill in frustration and, of course, got sent off. So I wanted three examples from each of you, and you can go global on this one if you wish. You can go round the world um, of examples of players being dismissed and hopefully for something really silly who would like to go first oh Kate's shaking her head so Natalie I'm afraid it goes over to you the first one is with regards to a gentleman called Samuel Incombe who played for Dnipro against Lviv back in 2011 now around about the hour mark uh, his side were one nil up he just uh, his manager decides to take him off as a substitute. No problem with that at all. He's already been booked, but that's fine, just for a, a, a foul beforehand. As he's walking off the pitch, no no issues at all. He decides he's going to take his shirt off because he's walking off the pitch. No problem with that. Uh, but the referee didn't like it straight away. Second yellow card. You don't take your you don't take your shirt off before you've left the field to play. Oh Gutted to be banned just because he's walking off the pitch, uh, you know, to be substituted. He didn't do anything wrong other than <laughs> taking off his shirt and not even in a, in a celebration way. It was just, you know, taking it off because he's getting changed. But anyway, that was my first one, which I just thought was very bizarre and a little bit unfair from the referee. Uh, Dean Windass. Oh, Dean Windass. We all love a bit of Dean Windass, don't we? Uh, When he was playing for Aberdeen, he picked up three red cards in the same match. This was in 2007, yes. Uh, The first was just for a standard second yellow card. Uh, But he wasn't happy with that, as you might uh, imagine with Dean Windass. He was shown another red card for his descent. as he's then walking away, he kicks the corner flag and the ref thinks, I make it a hat trick. And there's, a, there's his third red card. Uh, so I don't think we've ever had three red cards for the same player in a match before, but that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I can't top that at all. Um, I'll add one in for you just from this season because I thought Eden Hazard, you know, kicking the ball boy. Yeah. What a strange red card dismissal. I mean... Malumbu sort of inspired this topic, but I thought about it and I thought actually Hazard's was the one from this season, wasn't it? So we'll add that in as a mention. Um, I'm going to go with one that happened very recently to start off with, just last week or the week before, Clarence Seydorf. Did you read about this? He got sent off for leaving the pitch the wrong way. (laughs) Um, He was playing for Brazilians. Yeah, he did a moonwalk. (laughs) Brazilian side uh, Botafogo. After arguing with the referee and being substituted, it was just a week or so ago, I'm sure of it, he literally just turned around and walked off the pitch the wrong way, got a red card. (laughs) Thought that was hilarious. Um... Another one, Liverpool one for Kate Borsay, 2002. Jamie Carragher, this was an FA Cup, I think. Uh, Liverpool-Arsenal, do you remember this? There was a coin, wasn't there, thrown at him. And he decided that he would launch the coin back into the crowd... I actually felt sorry for him with that because if I had a coin tossed at my head, I think I'd be throwing it back in the direction it came from. Regardless of that, never mess with a scouser. (laughs) No, never. Um, And it was Mike Riley refereeing that and he showed him a straight red. Uh, But I have to say, 
the gem of gems that I found was courtesy of, instead of my brain matter, an internet search. <laughs> I went on the good old Google. Um, and you have to go to Australia for this one. And it's amateur football. So <laughs> the, the fact that any of you would get this is very, very remote. Um, it's a player called Aaron Eccleston who was shown a red card. Mm-hmm. Now get this. He was playing in a Vic soccer league in Australia and he was sent off for having his genitals pierced. <laughs> Let me explain this. He gets kicked with the ball in his nether region and because he gets injured by it, he goes to seek attention. The referee goes to inspect and realises that he has pierced. Oh so it's pierced. So he then says, actually, I'm showing you a red card for that. Shouldn't be able to have that done. So he left the field of play. Not only was he kicked in the groin area um, and in a bit of pain, he also had a red card and a ban. What I want to know is, had he declared this, mm. uh, is he supposed to put a plaster around it? <laughs> <laughs> and Mr Bump one. He needs a box. Forget about that. Um, I don't know, but I found that one. I found it highly amusing. Kate. Uh, I've got a couple for you. Um, When Thierry Henry patted Portland Timbers' Adam Moffat on the head after a squabble in June 2011, the ref decided that this constituted violent conduct. (laughs) (laughs) And poor old Thierry got carded for that one. Um, One that immediately springs to mind. And it's not hilarious, but it was bizarre. Do you remember... Robin Van Persie's red card uh, claimed he didn't hear the referee's whistle in their Champions League defeat to Barcelona. Um, he um, believed that uh, that he was right in kicking um, the ball away um, and said, yeah, he, that he didn't hear the noise of the whistle. Couldn't hear over 95,000 screaming fans. Tough one to call, that one, wasn't it? Another one here for you. Uh, Maccabee Tel Aviv's Yoav Ziv demonstrated his anger in their clash versus Stoke City when his shoe came off by kicking it at the linesman. Uh, Angry player, kicking shoe and linesman. uh, Only one outcome for him, he was carded. Hi, I'm Darren Goff and you're listening, believe it or not, to three gorgeous women talking about football. Now, football and women. I'll leave it with you. And we'll move on to Twitter topic of the week this week. It was inspired by good old Gaza Lineker. (laughs) Um, He tweeted, Rafa Benitez said to have been dismissed by Chelsea. Interim manager being fired a first, even for Chelsea, surely. Uh, This was tweeted, it will not surprise you, on April the 1st. Quite a few of his followers fell for that. Um, Probably because it was Chelsea sacking a manager. But it was an April Fool's prank. And it made us think, did you spot any good... Good footballing ones on Twitter or hear of any within any club. So first of all, did either of you? I saw a few. Uh, there was, I uh, can't remember which paper, but there was the classic making the goalpost wider story. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also another one, um, which I saw on Twitter, not sure where it came from originally, about Roman Abramovich uh, taking his coaching badges so that he could dismiss with all this firing of managers and just take over himself. <laughs> Well, it's not. It wouldn't be the first time a chairman's done that because Ron Nose did it at Brentford. So I mean, you know, why not? Why not, Roman? Give it a go. Um, yeah, no, I got fooled several times, which is so annoying. Um, the first of which was one. Of, I saw one of the Brentford players tweet about the game being off, and being a Brentford mm. fan, I was like, oh my goodness, another game's off. And because I knew who he, I know him, I was able to text him and go, oh my goodness, why is the game off? And he, he started. <laughs> 
unraveling all this stuff about why the game's off. And I was like, this is awful. And then he was like, you do know it's April Fool's Day, don't you? <laughs> and I was just devastated. I absolutely love the fact that he strung you along for a fair few texts before he confessed. Oh, absolutely. I was I was hook, line and sinker. I was gone. I was thinking, oh, this is breaking news. But anyway, um, the other one was when I was preparing uh, for my shift on Monday. It was uh, Southend against Fleetwood. Uh, I was looking on the Southend website and they had a story about Helen Chamberlain and Max Rushton singing the national anthem at the game before before the game started uh, on that Monday. So I run up to the production team. I'm like, guys, do you know this has happened? Um, we've got to get a camera there because it'll be fun. It'll be fascinating. And the producer then goes, tells the news desk. And news oh, desk are trying to get all this stuff sorted. And it's only when someone goes, do you not think it might be an April Fool's? So I start sinking into my chair thinking, oh, I've made people ring everybody just to sort something out. And um, yeah, so I was rather red faced at work. Those are some brilliant ones. I love those, Natalie. Well, we have got some um, response from our Twitter followers. So what do you make of all these ones? We'll start with Nick Whitaker, who's Whitnich90 on um, on Twitter. Whitnich uh, told my sister that Venkis sacked all the players and staff at Rovers. She believed me, but then again, we wouldn't put it past them. Mm. <laughs> uh, Game of Throw-Ins. I love I this that. as a Twitter name. Um, QPR fooled us into thinking they were a Premier League team. Oh, oh harsh. Alice <laughs> Elias next. Uh, widening goalposts, what Kate Borsay mentioned during extra time and penalties. They mentioned it on Sky Sunrise Papers and he fell for it. Hook, line and sinker. <laughs> we both know what you were watching that morning. Um, Gadge Murphy got in touch. Yar. <laughs> I love how people stop. Yar. Um, heard a great one. Martin O'Neill sacked in favour of Paolo Di Canio and they kept it up all day, he said. Hashtag wishful thinking. Um, actually, Paolo Di Canio came up a couple of times. Also, Peter Robson who's at P underscore Grod, um, said Di Canio has been given a premiership manager's job. I have to correct you, it's Premier League. Uh, Twitter topic of the week. Oh. Harsh. It gets on my nerves. Everyone still yeah. calls it premiership, don't they? It isn't. And finally, and I'm going to give their podcast a plug, Mike Rookery, Rookery Mike. Um, they do the Rookery End podcast for Watford, who are on a blinding run. Uh, well worth a listen. And a guy that I went to university with, John Mooney, is part of that podcast team. Uh, well, Rookery Mike got in touch and said Shoot Magazine um, got Ian Rush to pose in an Everton shirt saying he'd signed from Liverpool to my nine-year-old eyes back then. It was hilarious. I love that one. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for getting in touch. We'll have another Twitter topic of the week this week at our Side Rule pod. Give us a follow, tell your friends, and whilst you're there, go on Facebook and do the whole social media thing. That would be lovely. Uh, we'll go now over to Russia. And Kate Partridge has an update for us of all things Russian Premier League. Thank you, girls. Well, the winter weather might be lingering here in Moscow, but the winter break is truly forgotten. League leaders Ceska have enjoyed three comfy fixtures and stretched their winning streak to four after a 4-0 cruise at Rock Bottom Alanya. The Army men are now eight points clear and on course for a first league title in seven years. Twice defending champion Zenit lead the chasing pack. Their latest victory, a 3-0 romp at plummeting Tarek, was helped by the Chechen side having to play hosts in Dagestan. This was their penalty after club president and national leader Ramzan Kadyrov commandeered the public address system and accused a referee of taking bribes. The equivalent in England would be David Cameron grabbing the mic at Villa Park and calling Howard Webb a crook. Then Villa having to play their next home game in Cardiff against Manchester City. You must admit, it's an effective punishment. 
Zanit's gain was Angie's loss. Gus Hiddingside, a winless in five, Miss Christopher Samba, are no longer in Europe and down to third after a 4-0 humiliation at Krasnodar. It might be a tad harsh to criticise the equivalent of, say, Wigan, recently bought by Roman Abramovich and managed by Carlo Ancelotti, behind only the two Manchester clubs and enjoying their best season ever. But if you will tell the media your plans for swift European domination, a little cynicism might just arise. Twice former champions Rabin are up to fourth and prepared for their Europa League doubleheader against Chelsea with a 2-0 victory over Slavin Bilic's struggling Lokomotiv. Dan Petrescu's Dynamo Moscow, Caban and powerhouse Spartak lie fifth to seventh, all on 37 points in the jostle for the Europa League spots. And at the bottom, Alanya look doomed, Mordovia and Krylia Sivetov are fighting to survive. So eight games to go, everything undecided, but Leonid Slutsky's army go marching on. For more on the Russian Premier League, please follow me on Twitter at Kate Partridge RT. But for now, it's Dos and thank you very much to Kate Partridge for that update. Uh, next week, of course, we will be talking FAWSL because the Women's Super League gets underway. I was filming my first links for the first preview show and met Shelley Kerr, who's the new Arsenal ladies manager. And shall I tell you what she invited me? This, I'm saying it on the podcast now. She said I can go along, take my football boots and train with them one week. <laughs> oh my God, you'll be in heaven. Oh I will be in heaven, but they'll hate me. <laughs> Are you going to be competitive? Um, am I competitive, Kate? We didn't actually pick up on the fact that you, I'm sure, have received a red card in your time whilst playing football, right? Oh, my, yes. Oh, my, yes. OK, well, we'll live and leave you for another week. Please make sure you join us again next week. We're available to download via SoundCloud. Also on iTunes, give us a subscribe and we will have another new guest next week. Thank you for stepping into the breach. Natalie, have you enjoyed it? I have loved it. It's been great fun. Thank you. Maybe we can get you back and we'll see how Brentford get on. We wish them all the best. Yes, oh, come on the bees, as I do on Twitter with my hashtag, believe. Yes, believe. Believe, I see this. This is a trend. You started. Well, we wish them well. Um, thank you very much, and bye for now. The Offside Rule, we get it, with Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay. Produced by Sarah Grun. 